Hello, welcome to the Healthy Alternatives podcast. I am Dr. Christine Sauer with DocChristine.com. Today's show is a recording of my radio show of the same name. Enjoy! Good afternoon, this is Dr. Christine Sauer, your host of the show Healthy Alternatives here on 97.5 CIOE FM with live stream on communityradio.ca every Thursday at 12 noon Atlantic Standard Time. Thanks for tuning in today. In this show, I will talk mostly with guests about all aspects of health, healthcare and wellness from conventional to alternative and everything in between. My mission for this radio show is to change people's lives for the better by informing them about different options to get and stay healthy and well so they can choose for themselves which option might work in their case. Today I am excited to be again with my friend, the naturopathic Dr. Cheryl Carthouse from East Coast Naturopathic Clinic in Bedford. Welcome Cheryl. Thanks for having me on the show, Christine. And today a very important and uh, very um, prevalent topic about inflammation. And I know we both know a lot about it. So that is a great topic to talk about. And I'm excited to hear your opinions about it. Let's start with just a general overview for people that don't know about inflammation. What really is it? That's a great place to start. It's a hot topic, pun intended, and a lot of people have been asking questions about it lately. Some medical conditions that have the underlying inflammation that can either cause or perpetuate and make these conditions continue are anything that ends in itis. So something like cystitis means the inflammation of the bladder and dermatitis means inflammation of the skin. Arthritis is a word that we hear often, and that actually means inflammation of the joint. And there's lots of other conditions like psoriasis, Crohn's disease, irritable bowel syndrome, irritable bowel disease, even the heart disease, like coronary heart disease, or any type of heart attack or stroke can have an underlying cause of inflammation. And as well as all the other conditions that have fatigue in them, like fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, pain or pain associated conditions. And then some behavioral things as well, like autism and diagnoses such as ADHD and ADD, and even simple brain fog or depression or anxiety can often have a degree of inflammation underlying the condition. And you asked about what it is. So it's actually something very helpful for our body to do. And that seems a little bit backwards to how we hear about it because it often seems like a negative thing that is brought up in our health. So inflammation is caused when your immune system is actually doing its job well, such as when your immune system is fighting invaders like bacteria or viruses or fungus, or if you cut yourself, the immune system causes inflammation by releasing chemicals and recruiting a whole bunch of other cells that actually try to come and clean up the environment, clean up those dead cells and clean up all of those microorganisms. So that is really a good thing for our body to be able to cause inflammation. Exactly. So what is the difference? When does it, what is the normal inflammation? What, what, what is the difference? When does it turn bad? Well, maybe I can help by giving a little example. So if your immune systems 
are like security guards who walk around the building that is your body, then they'll walk around doing their job. It's like there are sticky notes tacked onto the walls every once in a while, and they'll go around reading these sticky notes that say repair this, clean this up. They sort of are the caretakers of that building that we call your body. And if somebody breaks into your building and randomly starts putting up their own sticky notes or knocking over garbage cans, and it's causing all of this extra work and all this extra havoc for these security guards to be doing, it's unproductive and very detrimental as well as can cause damage to other things. Hmm, that is a nice example. So really the normal inflammation limits itself. The security guard sits back down, has its coffee, and just keeps watching. And when those vandals are in the house, then everything is out of order. Exactly. Or if there's things that signal the security guards, so kind of like these sticky notes, they're getting certain messages. And when those messages are put up by things that aren't really a productive productive component in the body, then they end up doing all this extra work. Like it says, repair this wall, but there's really nothing wrong with that wall. The security guards are going to come knock a hole in it and start mm. repairing it because that's what they were told to do. So we need to make sure that these signaling pathways that are always perpetuated in the, in the body are actually more of the productive kind rather than the unproductive kind. Oh, that is very in interesting. So what kind of symptoms do we have when the security guards do all that unproductive work that really self-perpetuates because when there's a hole in the wall, they have to patch it up and maybe they make a mistake and they punch a bigger hole and so on. Yeah, those are symptoms more of chronic inflammation, and they can actually be very general. So sometimes just pain can be a sign of inflammation. It's not necessarily overt pain as in I cut my finger, that type of pain, although that is also acute inflammation. It can be digestive pains and discomfort. It can also be fatigue because so much of your immune system is being used up and all your nutrients are being used up to deal with this chronic infection or a chronic inflammation rather that you can actually feel quite tired. Sometimes you might get rashes on the skin or joint pain or even decreased function of a joint or as I mentioned, abdominal pain. I've seen quite often that it starts slowly smoldering with a little aches and pains here and we think, oh, we just get older and then it progresses. You get some kind of an allergy or rash and get tired all the time and eventually you get diagnosed with an autoimmune disease or worse. So that all is inflammation? It all has a component of inflammation, absolutely. And inflammation can actually really perpetuate things or then also lead to more severe and chronic diseases later on, such as, you know, having a myocardial infarction or what we know as a heart attack is actually has an underlying component of inflammation that really starts to destroy the blood vessels and everything of the heart. Or even cancer has an underlying component of inflammation. Any of the autoimmune conditions do as well, or metabolic disorders such as diabetes, different things like that. They can be sort of longer progressed versions of what inflammation can actually do or just that they have a component that inflammation can make them worse. Hmm. That is quite interesting and I've heard that even schizophrenia and mental health and mental illnesses 
often can have an inflammatory component. Absolutely. Can you imagine if the insides of your cells, just for example, are quote unquote on fire, how uncomfortable you would be? Or if there are little children running around with these little bits of fire and security guards just wreaking havoc or trying to tear down walls when they shouldn't be all over their body, how that would allow you to sit still and think well, or to be happy and run around and try and engage in all of those things that you enjoy doing when your body's actually dealing with so much. Wow, that is that is very true. And it is amazing. And no wonder that kids get hyperactive when their cells are on fire and they don't feel good. Yes, it's a very nice, very nice. I, I compared with a dragon that eats you. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good example as well. <laughs> so uh, the inflammation can do a whole lot of things to you. And how is it that we nowadays talk more about inflammation than say two, three hundred years ago? I mean, normal inflammation has always been there. So why now the increase in all those diseases that have an inflammatory component? There is definitely a lot of things that we are exposed to nowadays that we weren't exposed to, say, for our great-grandparents or our grandparents or some for some of us, even our parents, in terms of environmental exposures, heavy metals, foods, and underlying chronic infections that we're exposed to with different types of medications that we have now, lots of stress that we're exposed to as well. I could go on and get into more specific details about these, but these are just some of the ideas of the things that can actually cause inflammation. Hmm. And we might get into that a little bit more in the second half and also about what really is the things that can cause inflammations and what we can do about it on the natural side of things, because there's many things that we can do that is not well known in general medicine. Absolutely. Lots of everyday things we can do. That sounds really amazing. And I'm looking forward to talking more about that in the second half. And that brings us to the end of the first half of today's broadcast here on 97.5 CIOE FM Community Radio. Please tune in after the commercial break for more with Dr. Cheryl Carthouse. And welcome back to Healthy Alternatives here on 97.5 CIOE FM or on the web at communityradio.ca. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Sauer, and I'm with today's guest, naturopathic doctor, Dr. Cheryl Carthaus from East Coast Naturopathic. Thanks for being back. Thanks for having me. In the first half, we started to talk about inflammation. What is it? What problems are maybe caused about it? But now we want to talk a little bit more about what inflammation is caused by and what we can do to fix it if it's a, the bad form of inflammation. 
So we mentioned a few things that can actually cause inflammation in the body. And really, it's when the body isn't able to deal with these things that we're giving it. It's like they're an extra burden or extra work on the body. And when it deals with it okay, we may not get inflammation. But as all of these things pile up and build up, it's all this extra work for these security guards that we mentioned in the first half to try and actually clean up that building. They're shoveling and shoveling, and these piles get bigger when they can't keep up with the work. So environmental exposure was one thing that we mentioned, and that can lead to heart failure and cardiovascular disease when there's a lot of pollutants. One of the things that we take in in terms of air quality might actually be cigarette smoking, and that's a great one to mention because it's actually something that we can do about it. Mm -hmm. Very true. Really, smoking is one of the worst things for you to do, especially indoors, in cars, or generally Cigarette smoking actually also increases levels of cadmium, and this is a heavy metal, which leads me to the next topic of heavy metal exposure. So sometimes it can be in the environment, in the air, or in the water that we're drinking. So it is a great idea to have your water tested as well, especially if you're on a lake, or sorry, if you're on a well. Um, and exposure to heavy metals can be through a number of different things. We're starting now to use fewer paints in houses and that type of thing that have more lead in them or other heavy metals, but it is surprising how many people are still really exposed to these heavy metals, mercury being one of them from mercury amalgam fillings that often people have, especially around Nova Scotia. Well known as silver fillings. Mm -hmm. They all contain a little bit mercury and when they degenerate, it gets, or when they are taken out or put in, you get mercury exposure. Yeah, and the mercury exposure can actually lead to more brain dysfunction. So like foggy brain or even future dementia or Alzheimer's have been linked to some of these heavy metals in our wow. body. I've actually seen here in Nova Scotia, interestingly, a heavy metal that's hardly ever found, which is uranium, because we have it so much in our soil. Yeah, it's actually found in some of the rock beds around. So even though it's not put into the soil by any you know chemical company or anything like that now, sometimes water does is found to have high uranium levels in it. So it is a good idea to have it checked on mm. a regular basis. Mm. We do test for heavy metals at our clinic as well as part of... Uh, a comprehensive investigation for patients. So it's always a great idea that if there is something that like that, that might be underlying or perpetuating a cause of inflammation and other symptoms that we really do a lot of investigation to find mm. that out. That is so important and very much neglected in general medicine. One of the other things that I mentioned was food. So eating is such a huge contributing factor to perpetuating inflammation and often causing it. There's many different anti-inflammatory diets out there that people might have heard on the internet. And typically they cut out processed food and drink and any type of bleached or processed flours or sugars or sweeteners and other chemicals that are often used to improve taste or st simulate different flavors. And the colorings and all that stuff that you can't pronounce when you see it on the label. Exactly, yes. These are definitely some of those most energetic, teenage, ruckus-causing things that get into our building and start knocking over garbage cans and putting up those sticky notes all over the place that really give our immune system security guards a lot of problems. Mm, I'm always surprised that there 
is some people that can actually eat all those foods and get old and stay healthy. That is, that is the exception. I must say that's the same as a smoker can get old and not have lung cancer and emphysema, which is rare. But it is interesting because it's really a degenerative food that we are eating. No wonder we are getting degenerative illnesses. That is true. One of the things, too, that I'll just share a personal story. I remember when I was eating lots of typical foods uh, and I switched my diet or my nutritional approach and actually cut out quite a bit of white bread um, or even whole grain bread. And I realized that you weren't supposed to feel awful or feel nauseous or feel something bad going on with your stomach after eating a sandwich, because that's just how I always felt growing up. Every time I ate a lot of grains or a sandwich or a lot of bread all at once, I would actually feel really awful in my sort of guts area. And it wasn't until I cut that out that I realized how I could feel different. And I think that happens to a lot of people is that we get so used to feeling a certain way and having a low-grade chronic inflammation that builds and builds. And it's such a small progression every day that we really don't realize how much better our quality of life could be if we were able to decrease that inflammation and cut out certain foods that can perpetuate that type of conditions and that type of feeling. That is so very true, and that is something that I, as a health coach, always promote, that people cut out the processed foods and switch to more healthier foods. And then they notice all those side effects of the food that when they, for example, myself, I don't eat Wonder Bread, my favorite pet peeve, and my dear husband made me a sandwich made with Wonder Bread, so I ate it. And afterwards, I not only felt tired, but my nose started running and running and running. And I thought, oh, my God, do I get an allergy? No, it was a bread. Hmm. So you never notice how food affects you until you really try to avoid it and then reintroduce it. And then you say, oh, my God, that's what it makes me feel. That's true. Yeah. It can also be when we're eating all of these things is that we don't get enough nutrients from other fruits and vegetables and from other really whole foods. And when you don't get enough nutrients, there can actually be uh, malnutrition that often we're actually seeing around Canada, which sounds almost crazy to some degree because we think that we have plentiful amounts of different types of food and of fruits and vegetables and everything up here, but it's often of what people's choices are. And it's a consistent ongoing choices every day that can actually lead to nutritional deficiencies. And when we don't have the proper vitamins to try and put out those fires and quench all of those different piles of things that are building up in our body, that can actually lead to a lot of inflammation as well. So it's putting on more burden on the body, as well as not being able to get rid of the other stuff that's there that then causes a lot of these symptoms mm, and conditions. Mm. I find it's often that they're missing, we are missing the trace minerals because they do not get reintroduced in conventional agriculture to the soil. So the food doesn't contain them anymore in the concentrations that our enzymes need to function and our mitochondria, the energy factories and that is a shame. And then, of course, sometimes we have to take medication or we take them mind mindlessly sometimes that are drug 
muggers, as they called, and robbers of the vitamins or prevent the absorption. So I, I, I completely agree with that. That is that is a big problem. Yeah, it's important to know, especially if you are taking medications, that they might decrease the absorption of certain things, as you mentioned, Christine, or that they might stop the absorption from other things. So if they're using them up in the body quicker, then we do need to replenish them. So it's really not always necessary to take a multivitamin per se, but if there are certain medications or certain ways of eating or certain conditions that are decreasing very vital nutrients in our body, that we should actually be supplementing with those. I completely agree. And I know you have a nice vitamin cocktail here that you do as an IV that really replenish uh, deficiency really fast. So that's something that maybe people should explore. Yeah, there's lots of different IVs that we can mm -hmm. make up particular to certain people, um, depending on the type of inflammation. That kind of reminds me of another cause of inflammation in that it can be an underlying chronic infection. We have a lot of different bugs in and around our body. We know that our gut is full of different bacteria called the microbiome. When that is slightly off, or if we've had you know, chronic infections when we were a child of strep throat or different things like that, even having dental issues and having had dental work done can often leave a low-grade infection in the jawbone that we don't recognize or don't really investigate in any way. So often there can be these low-grade infections that continue continue to have uh, inflammation perpetuated in the body. They can have cause different gut issues or symptoms, pain, fatigue, all of those things that we explored before can really sometimes be caused from an underlying chronic infection. Mm -hmm. And as you mentioned, we do quite a number of IVs at our clinic and there's a number of different treatments of herbs or IVs or other even ways of eating that can help to balance the gut microbiome out, help to get rid of these infections and get people back on their feet when they're feeling quite fatigued. That is so true. And uh, I also think it is well worth to test for Lyme disease sometimes. I know you deal a lot with it in your clinic. Mm -hmm. And uh, now in the last few minutes, I just want to briefly address a few issues that we can do to help with inflammation. And if people want more than a few minutes, please feel free to contact Cheryl or myself. So to decrease inflammation, as I mentioned a little bit before, we want to think about it in two ways. One, we want to stop adding to the burden. We want to stop fueling that fire, stop causing all these problems in that building so that our security guards can effectively deal with the ones that are there. And two, we want to help them deal with the ones that are there by putting out all of those fires that are there. So inflammation is a chemical process, as I mentioned. There's these little messages that get passed on to different army guys who are brought in or different security guys as we called them and these messages we refer to as sticky notes and they can actually be kept in check by having certain vitamins and nutrients um, different medical herbs or something like that these messages are called cytokines and we want to have lots of things that contribute to how these messages are passed on 
For example, vitamin C is a really great one that helps to decrease free radicals that are running around our body. It can help tremendously with inflammation. You can take it orally. You can actually get it through IV as well. There's and it has to have the right dosage because when we look at vitamin C pills, sometimes there's only 100 milligrams in it. That doesn't do anything. Exactly. I would always refer to having you talk to a naturopathic doctor or somebody who knows this stuff really well before recommending a dose. Just to rec just to provide some of the research and information, we can use dosages as high as 100 grams for patients who might have like a cancer diagnosis or something like that. So that can be one just form of treatment. Other things, I just want to mention a couple practical tips. So one would be to avoid bleached and processed sugars. Two, to eat bright or deeply colored fruits, berries, and vegetables. These have a lot of antioxidants in them, a lot of things that help to quench and control inflammation. Three, eating a good amount of healthy sourced omega-3 oils in fish or in flax seeds or hemp seeds or even taking that oil. And four, to eliminate any environmental toxins that you can be exposed to that are under your control. These can actually be products in your house as well. And the Environmental Working Group, the website is ewg.org, is a fantastic source to help you understand how clean your different products might be. And of course, then we come to quitting smoking and trying to decrease any of this additional burden that you're actually putting on the body. Now, that is a good part of wrapping up this show. And of course, if you want more specific information, information for your specific case and for your person, please feel free to hesitate. Uh, don't hesitate to contact me or Cheryl with any questions, thoughts, comments or suggestions. My email here is Christine, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E at communityradio.ca and I'll be happy to connect you with Cheryl. I'm always grateful for any feedback. I also want to extend a special thank you to today's producer, Jim Francis. Thank you, Jim. I thank you all. For listening to Healthy Alternatives, I'm your host, Dr. Christine Sauer. Tune in next Thursday at noon on 97.5 CIOE FM Community Radio with live stream on communityradio.ca for the next episode. Goodbye and have a great day.